0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us today, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. I want to say Happy Valentine's Day to all of you, whether you are married or you're dating or you're single. I hope that somebody today takes the time to let you know that you are loved. And just in case the people in your life drop the ball on this, I've got you covered you can open your Bible and go to First John chapter three, verse one. That verse says, "See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God." So no matter who you are, you can know without a doubt that you are loved." So that's my little Valentine message for you, but I am excited this morning because we're going to get into some good stuff. And as I get started, I want to tell you about a bird. It's an amazing bird. It's called uh, the purple throated carib. It's a hummingbird. Uh, You can find this bird down in the Caribbean. It's up in the mountains of an island called Dominica. And as you look at the purple throated carib, one of the first things you notice is that beak. That's that's a really unique shape for a beak, isn't it? And, And that's no accident. The shape of that beak is perfectly designed to match the blossom of a flower called a heliconia. Now, in the tropics, heliconias rely exclusively on hummingbirds for, for pollination. So, without the contribution of this particular hummingbird, heliconias would disappear. Now, let's imagine for a second. Uh, what if you were a purple-throated carib? and you started wondering why God had put you here on earth. Well, it wouldn't take long to figure that out, right? All you got to do is look at your beak. It's pretty clear. It's made for a specific and unique purpose. But the amazing thing is, you are exactly like this bird. God has made you for a specific purpose. The Apostle Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, this is a, a great verse. We are God's handiwork. Now, that word handiwork is translated from the Greek word poyama. and there are lots of ways that you could translate that word. Uh, for example, our English word poem comes from poiema, but uh, this word can refer to any type of creation especially a work of art. So when Paul uses the word poyama, he's pointing to God as this masterful, creative designer. And by extension, that means each one of us is literally a work of art. It's a pretty cool concept. But God did not create you so that you could sit around and look pretty. He created you for a purpose, just, just like that hummingbird. He made you to do good works. Our job is to serve him and serve others, to to bring him glory and to make a difference in this world. The question for you and me today is this. Are we, right now, fulfilling our God-given purpose? You know, plants and animals do that naturally. They all do what they were created to do. But human beings are different right? We have a choice. We can choose to just go through life mindlessly doing whatever we want to do, or we can be intentional. Uh, With God's help, we can do the good things that he has prepared and called us to do. This morning, we're in week two of a series called Count Me In, and every week during the series, we're looking at a statement that's related to your identity and your purpose. And each one of these statements begins with the letters I-N. Last week, the phrase was, I'm invited. God has invited you, and he's invited me to be a part of his family. And it's up to each one of us whether or not we accept that invitation. The title of today's sermon is, I'm intentional. I want to be like that hummingbird. I want to be intentional about doing the good things that God has called me to do. Next week, the statement is, I'm influential. God wants to use us to influence others in a way that points them to Jesus. And then finally, the statement in week four is, I'm invested. When it comes to church, I am not just a passive observer. I'm investing my time and my energy and my resources and my heart. So, uh, those are the four parts of this series, and by the time we're done here, I'm praying that each one of us will say, count me in. Yes, I want to be a part of what God is doing in this church and in our world. And the truth is, this should be normal for every follower of Jesus. The, The church, by God's design, is not made up of people who just show up to a worship service once a week. The church is the body of Christ. And every member of the body is valuable and significant. Every member has an important contribution to make. The church is the body of Christ. And there's a great passage of Scripture that uh, spells this out very clearly. It's in 1 Corinthians, another one of Paul's letters. And this is where we're going to spend our time today. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 27. And first, I'm going to read this entire passage, and then we'll go back and break it down a little bit. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So, for anyone who has a body, and that should be all of us, This passage gives us a clear picture of what the church should look like, how we should function. There's a lot here that's really helpful, but today I want to go back and look at just a few key observations from these verses. And here's observation number one. The body of Christ includes members who are very different from each other. Uh, The community of the church is not like most other groups or organizations Uh, Normally, groups are formed around people who have a lot in common, and uh, we tend to gravitate toward people who are like us, and that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. For example, for a long time, my father-in-law has raised a particular breed of cattle called Dexters, and if you want to hang out with people who are really into Dexters, there's a couple ways you can do that. You could join the American Dexter Cattle Association, You could also go to the National Dexter Expo, which, by the way, is happening this summer up in Ohio, up in the town of Worcester. However, if Dexters are not your thing, you probably won't go out of your way to be at that expo, and that's okay. But the church isn't like that. The body of Christ should bring together all kinds of different people, people with different backgrounds and different interests, People of different ages, different races. You know, it may just be that Jesus is the only thing we have in common. For a long time, I've uh, been on mission trips where I've gotten to meet all kinds of Christians from all around the world. And in a lot of ways, we're different. We may not speak the same language. We may worship in different ways. But we can still have the same love for the same Savior. We can still be brothers and sisters in Christ, in the same family. And if Jesus is the only thing we have in common, that's enough. Did you catch verse 13? It says, We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Now, in the first century, it was no small thing for all of those different groups to get together and function as one body. But that's the power of having Christ in common. That's the way it's supposed to be. We should see different kinds of people in the same body. So that's the first observation. And here's the second one. Everyone in the body has a distinct role to play, and that role is determined by God. This goes back to that hummingbird idea. God has prepared you to make a contribution that only you can make. We see that in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed these parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So the person you are is not random. God has designed you with specific strengths and weaknesses. And the church gets stronger when we all serve based on our strengths. Now, it may take a while to find a role that is a good fit for you. And then over time, your, your role may need to change. But there's always a place for every member of the body to serve. And we want to help you find your place. More on that later. Right now, I want to move on to observation number three. Each individual part in the body is needed and valuable. Now, I realize people don't always feel this way. Uh, Sometimes we look at the high profile roles that get more attention and it may seem like those roles are more valuable or more important, but that's simply not true. In fact, we can see this lesson in our physical bodies. Some parts of the human body are kind of underappreciated. The pinky finger is one example. The pinky is often seen as the least important finger. Think about it. What is a pinky good for? Well, this is the finger you hold up if you're at a tea party and you want to be really fancy. It's uh, also uh, the finger you might use if you want to make a a pinky promise. Uh, So in general, though, if you had to lose just one finger, you, you might choose the pinky. But you should think twice about that. Uh, an occupational therapist named Lori Rogers said, if you lose your pinky finger, you will lose 50% of your hand strength. Another under, underappreciated body part is the uvula. You know what that is? That's, that's the little thing that hangs down in the back of your throat. Now, this is a little disgusting, but I heard this week that over a lifetime, your uvula will create enough saliva to fill up two entire swimming pools. Yeah, ooh. So if you don't like having a dry mouth, you better hang on to your uvula. But this principle transfers right over to the church. What did we read in verse 22? It says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker— are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So many important roles in the church only happen behind the scenes. A lot of people serve in areas where they don't get much credit, they don't get much appreciation, but those contributions really matter. For example, some of you have the gift of encouragement, and you are using that gift you, make, you might take the time to write an encouraging note, or, or maybe you, you pull someone aside and speak a few kind words from the heart. If you are that person, let me just say, you may never know in this lifetime what kind of difference your encouragement has made. Uh, when I was in high school, one of my youth leaders pulled me aside, and he told me that he saw great potential in me. And here I am, decades later. I still remember his words. In fact, I'm still encouraged by his words. The, the reality is, most roles in the church are far more important than they might seem at first. Okay, we're up to observation number four. And this one is pretty challenging. The body should work together in a unified effort. Now, right here, we've stumbled onto one of the historical weaknesses of the church. People don't naturally drift toward unity, do they? They drift toward division. You've got two parties that'll disagree about something, and then words are spoken. Feelings are hurt. And all of a sudden, there's a big falling out. There's division. That's our natural tendency. That's human nature. But that's not the nature of the Spirit of Christ. What did verse 24 say? But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now, is there a time when division is called for? Yes. You know, if, if there's a disagreement about one of the essential truths of Scripture, then there should be a separation at that point. An example would be if a leader or a minister says something like, well, all religions are basically the same. Uh, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. All kinds of different paths can lead to God. Now, if that's what's being taught, then, yeah, get out of there. But the fact remains, God's design for the church is unity. Unity. We should be a diverse group of people who are all connected by Christ, and we're serving together. We're moving forward in the same direction, doing what God has called us to do. And that brings us to the last observation I wanted to mention. This isn't just an analogy. The church is the body of Christ, and he is the head. The description we read here, it's not just a metaphor Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it It's not that the church is like a body The church is the body of christ. He is the head So this is so important when jesus wants to get something done in the world today. He's going to call on the church That's the urgency of who we are and and it's the urgency of our mission Uh, Jesus has called us to go out into the world and make disciples. So that's an order from him. That's, that's where we get our mission at Plum Creek, leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. This is what he told us to do. So when I look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I get inspired. I get a vision of what the church is supposed to be. And so my question for you is, are you in? Will you say, count me in? If the answer is yes, it's time to take a look at where you are as of today. I've got four categories for you to consider, and everybody's going to fall into one of these categories. First, you may be serving in the ministry that is the right fit. You have found the flower that matches your beak, and you know it. God is using you to make a difference, and you're playing your role, and you're finding fulfillment in that. You also might be serving in ministry, but it's not quite the right fit. And that's totally okay. Your role changes over time. That's going to happen. Category three is this. You have served in the past, but not currently. There might be lots of reasons for that. I'm sure there's a story of why you're not serving right now. But listen, as long as you are breathing, you are still an important part of the body. So it's time to seek God and ask him what role he wants you to play right now. And here's the final category. You've just never served in ministry. And maybe that's because you aren't yet a follower of Jesus. And so you aren't yet a part of this body. But that's okay. God still has a plan for you. He's invited you to be a part of this. And you can accept that invitation at any time. But now, if you are a part of the body and you just don't know where you fit, it's time to jump in. I believe it's always helpful to learn from the stories of others, and I have a story to share with you today. It's from a couple of the members of the body here at Plum Creek, and Jason and Amanda Prater. Uh, they are, uh, they've been a part of our church for years now, and for the majority of that time, they have served in our worship ministry. And we asked Jason and Amanda if they'd be willing to share their story with all of you, and they agreed to do that. So let's watch this together.